Hey, welcome everybody into the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I hope Tom has the music turned down where you could actually hear the intro. Tom, are we, are we all clear there? No, people complain about anything these days. <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, we got some people at the store, they'd complain if they were hung with a new rope. Oh, man, how are you doing, bud? Oh, doing good, doing good. I'm. Uh, it's game week, dude. It's what we've been waiting on since the national title last year, since the final game. We've been waiting on this week, and here we are. Got Mitsu coming up, so we'll break down that game. We'll uh, we'll look at a little bit of recap of week zero. I've got three topics there, and no spoilers for you because I went ahead and topped them out, and uh, I think we'll – a couple of uh, – couple of eye rolls there on what happened over the, the week zero. But you've got the commentary, so I'm going to let you take it away. Then we'll break down. Uh, we'll get into football. You know, before I get into that, I'm going to ask you a question that just popped into my mind. This being week one, we've had the lead up to this all summer, ramped up in August, all the preseason magazines, uh, preseason, uh, pundits, Twitter, ESPN, yada, yada, yada. And our hype is certainly not where it typically is. Now, we have pe- some people that are picking us to, to win and, and potentially win it all are picking us as like an underdog almost role. So my question to you is, do you enjoy this type of position more like you're a contender, but you're not the favorite? Or do you prefer the hype that comes along with, like in 2021, after we had our huge year, or 2000, even 2022? Both of those years were big years that... that particularly last year with Bryce, you know, people thought it was going to be just a runaway for us. Obviously, it didn't happen, but which which preseason hype process do you like more? Well, let me – I was hoping you was going to say – you were going to say 2018 because that was the year that I think where we, just, we, we couldn't lose. You know, we were just coming off of beating Georgia when we inserted Tua. We knew Tua was going to be the quarterback. Jalen stuck around. We knew we were in good hands. We were in excellent to very good hands, depending on what number trotted out there. I prefer, but to, to stick to your question, 2021, 2022, I prefer those years. I will say this, however, this year is exciting. This is probably more exciting because, let's be honest, we've talked about this before, 2021, 2022, you can look down at the schedule and you can you can circle 10 wins. Heck, you might can circle 11. There's years you can circle 12. Like 2020, you know, we felt we played 10 conference games and I didn't see a loss really. Georgia kind of scared me, but they came to Tuscaloosa. And, you know, we, we ran away with that one uh, in the second half. So I prefer where we have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner returning and we've got a fantastic defense. <laughs> and, you know, you look at the schedule and you're like, okay, LSU will be tough, but it should be manageable. We're at Auburn, so that could go, you know, a couple of ways, as we always know. But this year's exciting because week two, 
this time next week, we'll be talking about a game that, unless I change my mind, I'm picking us to lose. So, excitement, yeah, I, excitement I, abounds. I think that's what I was getting at. I think the adrenaline is a little higher. Like, I am very, very much in tune and very looking forward to this weekend's game against Middle Tennessee, not just because it kicks off the season, but because it's a chance to see what direction we're going. And we'll get more into that uh, when we break down the game uh, later in the podcast. But there's a lot of a lot of questions on this year's team that you normally don't have. Uh, so hey, it'll be interesting. <laughs> but let me let me get over into just a a little bit. And I was thinking about something that hardly ever happens within our program or within the friendly confines of our fan base. And that is, we never criticize Nick Saban, or hardly ever. Time time out, time out, time out. (laughs) Okay, did you read my mind today? Because if you're going in the direction I think you're going – you and I are going to be simpatico on this. But go ahead. now, I want you to finish. Time back in. Yeah, I have no idea what your what your direction you're going and this will be something very wild if 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 uh if you're in the same ballpark. But I was just thinking if if we had a free pass. Today's our free pass that you and I can talk openly amongst our fan base membership. And not, you know, we don't we don't get our cars flipped over and our houses <laughs> set on fire. But we we just got a free pass here to to maybe say some things about Nick Saban, whether it's on the field, off the field, or whatever. And I wrote down five things that you know I think are legitimate. You know, criti- 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 I was trying to think how to pronounce that word. Criticizations? <laughs> a criticism. Sh- That's no, the one no, I was I looking like, for. I like criticizations better, I think. I, that might be. Remember, we used to have the word of the day? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the I'm word gonna, of the day. I'm, I'm trailing fast to the Alzheimer's home. I'm, my memory, as you know, is, is tough. And when I start forgetting words, it's, it's even more. <laughs> uh <laughs> damning in that direction but but it, but if i give you the free pass i i've got five things written down i want to see if you match any of them what well, well, does I've got anything one. pop into mind okay i've got i'll give you my one if you'd like or you can this is your commentary so you you lead but no I've go ahead I, okay. I i was i was thinking we might I, I don't think you'll you'll land on all five of mine but i'll give you ample effort well, I'm going to tell you where if you had told me to go with the commentary tonight, I was going to go one of two things. And um, the, the one I was going to possibly go with is Saban not putting out a depth chart. And I hate to agree with Tim Brando on Twitter, but Tim Brando called him out, said it was childish. And I agree. I mean, here's the thing with Coach Saban. He's got six national titles. He is still the – I don't care what Kirby has done. I don't care what Dabo has done. Nick Saban's the GOAT. There's no denying that. Now, if Kirby rolls off a three-peat this year and then he adds four or five more to his to his days at Georgia, then I will concede GOATness. But right now, Nick Saban is the GOAT. 
And I just think it was kind of childish and pouty that he didn't put out a depth chart. Like if you if you're afraid to put out a depth chart because you're afraid that if when when a kid sees his second team, like Drew Sanders, he sees his second team, well I'm transferring, you know, or or Ty Simpson or Buckner says, well I'm second or third team, I'm transferring. Then that's a problem in the program because everybody else is putting out depth charts. I mean, Ohio State's his name to starter at quarterback. Georgia has named a starter at quarterback. Everybody that has an opening at quarterback has named a starter besides Alabama, and we know who it's going to be. It's going to be Milrow. But like, I just that was my one thing that I have a problem with is put out a freaking depth chart. If if you don't have the confidence that you have a program built to to hang on to your second third teamers, then we're in trouble. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that that's the reason. Uh, I get that angle, but I mean those players are in practice every day of the week. They know who's taking the reps at first team. Uh, absolutely. I mean they 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 know if they're the starter or not. Yeah, I mean I so I don't I don't necessarily think it affects the players that much. I think he does it so that the the media doesn't run with a story. Oh, I can't believe so and so's benched after this start. I can't believe yeah. he did that or I can't you know, I I think it just keeps it. And I, that's simply my own opinion, but that was not on my list by the way, but uh, <laughs> but, but 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 hey, this was your free pass criticism. <laughs> Good I for appreciate you. <laughs> it. I, pre- I, pre- I I'm glad you said the free pass cuz I was I was hesitant to to criticize to criticization of anybody. <laughs> you have anything else you want to get off that's, the chance? That, that's it. Well, let me. But when you said something and you that kind of jogged my memory, and you're right that it might not be. Well, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose so and so to the portal. But he, I think it was kind of like last year. He was like, well, it, y'all think it's etched in stone, and players might think it's etched in stone. Well, if your second team guy, if he gets his butt hurt and 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 wears his butt on his shoulders in practice after he's not named the starter, then that's that's a program problem, you know? I mean, you and not necessarily anything wrong with Alabama's program, but you have the culture and maybe the player, you recruited this player, maybe you didn't recruit the player you thought you were because, man, you know, yeah, I was that guy in high school. If I didn't start, I, oh, coach don't like me, this, that, and the other. But now – as an adult, uh, I, I know the coach didn't like me. A, but B, like when I when I get beat out of something, dude, it makes me work harder. And I think most D one athletes are like that. So if if that's a, a, the the secondary reason, then we've recruited the wrong players. But I, I think, like you said, it's probably I'm probably way off base. But still, I thought it was a little bush league that he did not put out a depth chart today or yesterday. Gotcha. All right, so I'm going to give you my top five criticisms of Nick Saban with, I guess, an uh, 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 ascending order in how perturbed they make me. So the first one is not going to be, I don't really care that much about it, but I know it's a consensus. Uh, but I think if you're going to criticize him, he could be a little nicer to the media. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he does jump off the handle sometimes, and I know what he's trying to do or, or what he thinks he's doing from a psychological perspective, uh, but uh, some of that rubs folks the wrong way, and I can see that, but that's, my, that's, that's the least of my criticisms. I, I can take or leave that. 
so getting a little more in depth, the second thing, I'd say he's probably a little too hard on his assistant coaches too. And I know that a perfectionist demands perfection. And you hear stories all the time about the hours they put in uh, off the field in, in the off season on the recruiting trail in the film room. And it seems to be the, an anomaly in our program. Uh, you know, other programs aren't doing it. Now, again, we've got a 15 year success rate here and I'm not suggesting tipping the apple cart. And that's certainly not uh, one of those that's high on my list, but I can also see why we also have more turnover in assistant coaches than, than some other programs have, you know, that, that's, yeah, sure. uh, there's, there's something to be said with, yeah, you, you want to get in the program because it, it's a, it's a stepping stone to a place, but you're going to use it as a stepping stone because you know, it's a difficult place to work. And I think that's a mentality that a lot of people have had with this job still worked out pretty good for us. So again, it's not high on my list. Third thing on my list. Does he leave the starters in too long? Uh, he, we've talked about this before. He does come from that, his which is a short stint in the NFL. But sometimes I think yes, you know. But it's he uh, seems to have that regimen too, where he's going to play those starters for the most part, the entire first half and one series of the second half, regardless of how the game is out of hand. Yeah. You know, it just seems yeah. to be a preconceived, you know, notion there. So and, that's and a little. Even like, like, you know, so back to 2018, he pulled Tua. Um, you know, Danny Cannell always asked, what's Tua's Heisman moment? And somebody finally said, maybe when he's got a towel on his head the entire fourth quarter because Bama's so far ahead, that's his Heisman moment. But, you know, if you go back and look at those games, we're playing first teamers everywhere else. Like, it's one thing to pull your quarterback, but, hey, how about your left tackle? You know, if he goes to midway through the fourth quarter, then, you know, just it's not all about the quarterback. So, But I agree with you. Sometimes, yes, he plays starters. Even if he pulls a quarterback, we'll have our first line in there, which is good for the second-team guy. He gets a decent shot of, of running the offense because second there's a reason second line is second line. But, yeah, I, I, that's a fair point. All right. The last two really are uh, a, a little irksome to me. So I'm glad it's a free pass day. <laughs> My second to last one is uh, I think sometimes he becomes too loyal to some players. And I think you hit on it already with the two of Jalen that comes to mind. I think Jalen, I think to a, or Jalen made uh, made Saban play to uh, in the circumstances he did in that championship game. If that championship game had not gotten out of control and Tua had to come in and bail him out, I'm not sure that Tua is, or, is the start of the following year. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. And I, you know, I think it's hard to imagine as good as Tua was, that he wasn't that good in practice the whole year. He didn't just magically become the quarterback we saw in the fourth quarter of the championship game. 
and then he gets his shot the next year, and it's he's all everything. Yeah, cheat code, uh, and that's just yeah, that's just one example. I think you know that happens with the running back. So, I think you you get an established running back that that has put his time in, and and I'm not saying that he they're not good enough to play, but I think sometimes, in my opinion some of the players get uh, a little preferential treatment just depending on who they are. Um, yeah, case in point running backs, Josh Jacobs never started the game for Alabama because right. he, pl- he played behind, uh, of course, I'm drawing a blank now, um, Damian Did from – Con- Yeah, Damian Harris. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't uh, think of his last name yeah. from Kentucky and now with the, the Patriots or was with the Patriots. So – it's you know Damien's not chopped liver, but man, Josh Jacobs is just phenomenal and never started the game because he he just is loyalty and and that's that's fine. I mean, it's I'll accept it. Yep. All right. So I've got my top irksome thing for Nick Saban, and believe it or not, it is a coaching and on the field coaching issue that I have that I complain about every year and practically every game. Can you even guess what it is? Time management. Halftime time management. Yes. Halftime in particular. Yeah, like he, right, he, leading up to the two minutes before half. So what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He'll he'll he will grind that clock out with a seven point lead or seven point deficit in, in critical games and, and when he's up thirty five or twenty eight or whatever it is he has a phobia of giving the ball back to the other team instead of trying to score, particularly with the offense that we've had for several years, instead of just running your offense, knowing that your two minutes is plenty of time to score. Uh, he has that issue of letting the other team have the ball last at the end of the half. And he doesn't, he doesn't do it. So, fearful of a turnover, fearful of a three and out that stops the clock, whatever it is, that time management just kills me. And he's he's even mismanaged some crucial situations too with, with clock running down and <clears throat> allowing another team to dictate that half instead of us dictate when we have enough timeouts and you can dictate how that game is played out at the end of the half, uh, he 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 tends not to utilize, in my opinion, proper football strategy, I, and I don't know why. Now a lot of a lot of teams lack that strategy at the end of the half, and it always irks me when they do. Uh, for instance, you, you have a team that's maybe uh, is out of timeouts, or, or they have one timeout left. Let's say a team has one timeout left. This is a perfect scenario. And you're on defense, the team is traveling, and and they're just over midfield, and they face a third and long, and uh, they they throw a short pass, and he's he's tackled inbounds, and now it's fourth and 15 from your 46-yard line, way too far for a field goal, and there's 30 seconds left. You should absolutely call a timeout. Yeah, immediately. Absolutely. if they got the balls to go for it and convert it, tip of the cap. But if they if they go for it and don't get it, you're two plays away from a long field goal yourself. 
Well, that's that's not even that's not even the major strategy of it. The major strategy of it is if you call a timeout, you force them to punt. Yeah, most likely. Otherwise, you you let the clock run down. They call a timeout with three seconds. They got a free shot at a hail mary at the yeah, end zone. For sure, absolutely yeah. no penalty. You have to force them to punt the ball. And I see that mistake made time after time after time, not just with Saban, but with tons of coaches where they're just letting the clock run down. I'm like, that's dumb. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's forced that fourth down, you force them to punt. So anyway, I, I, I got riled up on that one. Let's, let's get into the game, man. Well, first off, let me let me close that out on the uh, on the timeout. So you're sitting on your couch, and there's a big difference sitting on your couch and then being on the sideline facing bullets, you know, live bullets. But how often on your couch you're like, okay, timeout, 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 and we don't call it. You're like, dang, we should have called it. And the way the game unfolds right before half, we probably should have taken the timeout. D- don't you feel like you have a decent success rate, a decent feel for the game watching on your couch? Of when to call timeout. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Well, we've got so many guys, so many extra people that are hired. They're not coaches, but they're analysts or whatever. You know, we've, it was, you know, Butch Jones was one for crying out loud at one time. And I'm sure we've got a bunch of young guys who get coffee Monday through Friday and then Saturday they're responsible for getting footballs and towels. Have one guy sitting there watching a live TV feed away from the noise. And he's patched in to someone and they're like, okay, I think it'd be a good time to call a timeout right now. They don't have to take his advice, but he's there because, I, you know, armchair quarterbacks, I'm, I, I'm undefeated, bro, from my couch. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, got, I got a great track record. But, yeah. yeah. All right, so free pass is over. Saban, you're still the, the GOAT. And, uh, but they put out a depth chart for crying out loud. All right. Well, let's recap week zero right quick. And uh, we had three three uh, games that were of interest as far as the teams. or P five teams. You had Notre Dame playing uh, Service Academy. You had USC playing San Jose State. You had Vandy playing Hawaii. Notre Dame, Tom. Did you see what they did to the Service Academy? They dominated them. It's brutal. What I mean, brutal. hey, I, I'm seeing top five. I mean, oh, well, I, they'll get votes. This oh, it's going to be sure. ridiculous. Like, it, of course, we're doing tongue in cheek right now. It is going to be utterly ridiculous the love Notre Dame gets for beating Navy. And now Navy is is they're not Vanderbilt. Well, maybe they are Vanderbilt. I don't know. They're not any good. Let's don't let's don't let's don't make them to be something they're not. They're not any good. You beat them forty two to three or whatever. Big deal. Let's you know, you've got a tough enough schedule. But it just sickens me the love they're going to get. And USC. They rode over San Jose State, and they allowed a lot of points for a, a team that's probably not very good. So, wasn't overly impressed with them. Of course, Caleb Williams. Yeah, you're the best player in college football. You're gonna, you should throw for four touchdowns. But it's gonna be interesting to see the respect they get game in and game out because, you know, I I think we both had them in the playoffs, but they they can't afford a hiccup. I don't see any way they can get in with a with one loss. So they they've got to pretty yeah. much remain perfect. After Saturday's game, I'm not sure that I don't want to revise my playoff teams. Uh, yeah, they they did score fifty some odd points against San Jose, which practically every team on San Jose's schedule will probably do. But 
the 28 points they give up were not garbage points. That game was 21 to 14 at halftime, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that and and if you look back at it, and I went and looked back through the stats as I normally do, San Jose put together long, extended drives to get those points. There, there wasn't any freak turn. As a matter of fact, I think both teams combined did not turn the ball over on the day. So, San Jose State had multiple runners that were averaging five, six, seven yards a carry in that game. So that's a that's something that USC is going to have to take a close look at because once you get into actual teams that are somewhat on the caliber uh, of, of what you're trying to play and you're going to give up that on the ground, Caleb Williams don't play defense. It's going to no. be tough on them. Yeah, and it's, it's... – they can't – you cannot give up those type of yards and, and points in conference play and expect to win, I don't think, because you're not going to get – you're not going to get 56 or whatever they scored every uh, every game when you're playing Oregon, Washington, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, all those – all the Pac-12 teams. Uh, lastly, a recap of week zero. Did you realize that Vanderbilt, Tom, is leading the SEC in every major statistical category? I heard about that, and I, yeah. I I think they'll keep up a lot of those stats moving forward. They're just that good this year. I mean, I, I tell you what, they're going to lead in after uh, this week. They're going to lead in t- in a time of possession. Yes, they will. Hundred percent. It'd be tough to catch them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that wraps up week zero. They did get a win over Hawaii, to the uh, to the chagrin of twenty one people who. Tried to didn't pick uh, Vanderbilt in the pick'em that we're a mem- we're uh, members of every year, and uh, I was watching it in a in a bar, and I was like, "Whoa, this is a seven point game. I really need to kind of win here." <laughs> kind of sucked to go out first week, but uh, I digress. All right, so games of the week, we're going to look at Bama Mitsu uh, pretty heavily because we are a Bama podcast. We'll also touch LSU FSU, which is I guess the most intriguing matchup. And uh, outside of Utah and, and Florida, and I know Florida's not ranked, but it should be a relatively even matchup. It's only a six-and-a-half-point line. Florida State, LSU is a two-and-a-half-point line. But uh, let's go to Bama. So, Middle Tennessee State, they, Tom, they did put out a depth chart. you believe that? And their quarterback – Shocking. Yeah, their quarterback's name is Vati Otto, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, they graduated a six-year senior from last year. Vatiato is uh, an upperclassman, second, third year, something like that. And uh, returning starters, they return five on offense. And, of course, one of their one of their non-returners is a quarterback, which is big in my opinion. I know it's big for Bama. Uh, defense, they return eight. and But, honestly, it's Middle Tennessee State. It should be a scrimmage leading up to the Texas game. I look for Bama to win. I don't think we get – uh, I don't think we cover. I th- we're we're thirty some odd points, thirty eight something like that, thirty seven. Uh, I don't think we cover. Um, Is this going to be a trend for you all year, poo pooing on our season? I mean, we're I hope not. I hope we're not. We're going to cover. Well, here's the reason I say we're not going to cover. I think we're going to. First off, I don't think we're going to show a lot because we don't want Sark to have a lot of game film. Because let's let's be honest, who's starting at quarterback? Let's let's go ahead and get the spoiler out there. 
Oh, Milrow is going to yeah, start. It's going to sure. be Milrow. And a lot of people, I was kind of leaning Buckner is the second guy in. And a lot of people saying Simpson now, and that's that's fine. I have no problem with either one. You know, I hope we see the second guy as a luxury, not a necessity. That would be – that's the goal for this weekend is we bring in Ty or we bring in Buckner because we're up 35 to, to 7. We're up 38 to nothing, you know, whatever. Yes, and let's let's pose this question. The, the worst thing, in my opinion, that would happen on Saturday is Milrow comes out and runs – two or three series or whatever it is, and then they swap them out. And, and I don't care if he scores on all three. Like, they have a predetermined plan to put the next guy in. Because we did that a couple years ago, as you remember. Uh, maybe more than a couple. But I don't want to see that. I, I hope that they have seen enough in practice where he's a clear starter. And like you said, Let's get the second guy some reps, uh, hopefully after the game's out of reach. I think the only way you see like a, a 2016 scenario where we had Jalen come in early, probably earlier than expected, is if Milrow gets sacked and loses a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, you didn't give a lot of uh, uh, kudos to these Blue Raiders, but last year, you know, they went to Miami and beat them on the road. And Miami was ranked at the time as well. Uh, but they were a Jekyll and Hyde team last year, too. They also lost to UAB 41-14. to So I'm not <laughs> sure which team will show up Saturday. There's a few things, though, that I would like to see or that I'm curious to see. These are not necessarily predictions. They're just I'm, I'm very in tune with how this goes down on Saturday. So one is going to be the opening drive, and that's on either side of the ball. Uh, offense, I think I hit on this a couple of weeks ago. It's been a minute since we've had an offense that gets off to a quick start, uh, regardless of the competition. I think we want a sustained opening drive. I think we want a drive that ends in points. Obviously, we want that for every drive, but it 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 showcases, one, your offensive coordinator's play-calling ability, which I think we were lacking, and two, it also showcases uh, your superior athletes in a game like this. That should be sort of a, a a good measure of things to come if you can just take you got brand new quarterback brand new offensive coordinator brand new sort of maybe not brand new schemes but you you know what i'm getting at there and, and you go out there and put something together right off the bat um so that was that that's going to be very interesting whether or not we can make that happen or not i'm i'm very interested also to see if particularly this this caliber competition and and to be frank with you we've had a little trouble with that even at, at lower caliber competitions is uh can we get pressure on the quarterback without blitzing you know is is our defensive line back to a caliber a strength a nastiness a quickness where they can disrupt the backfield where they can get off of blocks, where they can play in the opponent's backfield 
without us having to constantly stunt and blitz. I think that's really been something that's hurt us the last couple of years. It, it felt like a lot of times we were not able to get pressure on the quarterback with with the three or four guys up front, and we always had to bring linebackers or corners or somebody on a blitz package to get that pressure. And, of course, that leaves you vulnerable in the secondary. So uh, I'll be interested to see that. And lastly, another thing that we've struggled with in the last couple of years, can we get a yard when we need it? You know, Amen on that. Third and one, uh, I don't want to see us in shotgun looking for a quick out. You know, can, can we not line up on third and one and, and have a jumbo package and, and everybody knows we're going to run it and we get it? Uh, we used to be very, very good at that. Very good at that. And we have really gotten away from it in the last year or two. And, of course, that was an NFL coordinator. And that's what they do in the NFL. NFL hardly ever lines up on third and one in a running eye formation. But that's different. That's a different game. And I think that's where – I think that's probably where our last coordinator was lacking a little bit. He just didn't translate completely over to the college mm-hmm. game. So I'm hoping that's reconciling itself this year. And that's something that I, I hope we get a lot better at. We need to. Well, and I, I do think that the, the reason I think we might not cover is because what you said, we've got two new coordinators. Granted, Steele's been here before, and, and the defense doesn't change. The coordinator adapts to our defensive, you know, sets. I just think we're going to try to be methodical. We're going to try to to see what all Milrow can do, get him comfortable, safe passes. I don't see a quick strike. I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked if we came out like we received the kickoff and uh, we call for a catch and get on the 25-yard line, I'd be shocked to see uh, a 75-yard touchdown pass, you know, where the ball travels 45 yards in the air and we hit somebody on the dead run. Maybe maybe that is. That'd be a heck of a tone setter. But I, I, think, I think looking ahead to Texas, I know the coaches don't per se. The players probably can't help it. Uh, coupled with a new quarterback, other new position guys, I just don't see us. I see us getting enough to cover – but I think if, if we shut Mitsu out, we cover. That's just the bottom line. But if we don't shut him out, and I don't think we will, I think we'll give up 7 to 10. I could see us winning something like, you know, 42 to 10. Very comfortable win. Very uh, a win that's going to look good on the scoreboard. Uh, no one's going to ding us for that, for that type of win. But it, ultimately, 32 points doesn't cover. So, uh, I'm picking 42 to 52 10. 52 to 6. Hey, I like, your, to six. I like your score better. That's, that's fine. I'm, I hope I'm and, wrong. And, and I – I do think that because the way offenses are run, and I think you'll see us run this type of offense, that we'll be a little quick. And when I say a little quick, I'll say in the same speed genre as we have been. I'm not suggesting we're going up with some new fast tick offense. But just the way offenses are run these days, I think you you still have plenty of capability of scoring under three minutes with a dominant running game. I really believe that. Uh, and I think that's something that you'll see. I think we're give, we're going to have a lot more play action playing off that dominant running game. And with Milrow back there, uh, we know that that's going to bring an extra element of, of keeping the defenses confused on who's getting the ball and when. So it wouldn't surprise me that that quick strike that you don't think we'll see 
actually happens on the ground instead of that long airstrike that you were talking about. Yeah. I think if I had to, to give one key to the game, I think it's our running game. We have got to show dominance on the offensive line in the trenches. That's what we've been lacking lately. And it's easy to, to be lacking when you've got – I mean, for crying out loud, we've got our last four quarterbacks to start at the University of Alabama are going to start in, in the NFL in two weeks from now, two and a half weeks from now, whatever. So, um, I, I just we, – we've got to get back to playing that smash-mouth football. Um, the receivers have not have been less than stellar, it sounds like, in practice. So, I think the key is to run the ball, like you said, when, when – We've always heard you could there's running the ball, and then there's running the ball when everybody in the stadium knows you're going to run the ball, and you can still run it, and you can still be successful. And we've got to get back to that level of play. Yeah, that's a good time when that happens. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, so let's jump over to let's go uh, Florida Utah first because they are the first game. They are actually kicking off t- tomorrow night. Tom, we'll be watching live football. No, not tonight's Tuesday. Two nights from now, we'll be watching live football at this time. So we're less than forty-eight hours away from the real kickoff of the season. And uh, Florida beat them last year. They intercepted the ball in the end zone late to seal the victory. And I'm it's at Salt Lake City, and like there's no way I cannot pick Utah. Because Tom Florida's starting quarterback last year is in the is a starter in NFL, like they lost a first round pick as a and he's a starter in NFL. So I've got to pick Utah, and it's Cam Rising is supposed to start for Utah. Graham Mertz, I think, a transfer from Wisconsin is going to start for Florida. I know he was roasted when the, when the Florida fans were roasting him when they found out he was starting. You know, he's not going to make anybody forget about Danny Werfel. But it's a big game. This is a big game for Utah and for the. This is a big game for USC because USC needs Utah to beat Florida. US Utah is ranked, and Florida is un, uh, unranked. So it's going to look very bad if an unranked SEC team goes to the Pac-12 in their backyard and beats them. So I, I think Utah pulls it off. The line is six and a half. And a little foreshadowing, I don't think it's going to be a problem to cover that. I'm not sold on what Billy Billy Napier is selling. So I'm going to have Utah pretty big. It's hard not to go with Utah in this situation. Utah has what may be one of the deepest uh, and more experienced offensive lines in the country. They are going to be a team that likes to dominate the line of scrimmage, and their defensive line is not. I mean, that's what they've been hanging their hat on the last couple of years because, if I'm not mistaken, they've won back-to-back Pac-12 championships. And so they have won on their defense, and this year they're going to have an offensive line to complement that defense. It's going to be a trench game for Utah. And I think this is going to be fairly low scoring, but Florida's going to have to figure out a way to score and to not get controlled the whole game. And that's what they're up against against Utah. And I, I see Utah as the better team too, but I'm, I'm hopeful Florida can keep it close. And, of course, I'm rooting for Florida. We would love to see Florida beat Utah here. But I, I do think it's a tall order, Nuremberg. And I, d- I just don't know if they can get it done out there. I've, I've got Utah uh, potentially 
potentially covering right right there on the number I think is about right. A seven point game. I I felt like it would be fairly low scoring. Maybe a you know twenty four seventeen, a twenty to thirteen, something like that. I'll take you. I'll take twenty to thirteen. That'll cover six and a half. So the next game, the last one we're going to cover, then we'll get into our bets, and uh, then we'll close it out. Hopefully Tom will have the, the music turned down so you can hear me absolutely shame Auburn, as I always do. But the, the last game we're going to talk about is going to be played Sunday night at 6.30 at Neutral Site Orlando. Wink, wink, Neutral Site. Kind of like last year was Neutral Site New Orleans. But it's Florida State, LSU, you know, LSU lost last year. Yeah, they uh, they were winning uh, a good portion of the game, and then Florida State beat them in the end, I think on a, a last drive, um, last drive of the game, if I'm not mistaken. I That's all kind of fuzzy at this point. But, you know, the ACC has, has – uh, they have supposedly reached out to Cal and Stanford and – one more to maybe join ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and they're gonna they're gonna go coast to coast. <laughs> so maybe that needs to be that needs to be their new conference name, Coast to Coast Conference (CCC). But and in saying that, Florida State has made it known that they are looking. They you know they have degree will travel. Uh, they're not too thrilled about staying in the ACC. It doesn't appear. So this is a big step for Florida State if they can go back-to-back over LSU, who was the West Division champions last year. And I've got them uh, winning the West this year. Hope I'm wrong, but I I think they're going to be good. But that's why I said it's an interesting game for this podcast because I'm buying what Brian Kelly and LSU is selling, and you're not. So give me your take on how this game plays out. Yeah, wrong team is favorite here. Uh, Definitely wrong team favorite. LSU's a a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Florida State's the better team, top to bottom. Florida State has nine defensive guys, eight offensive guys returning this year, including their quarterback, Jordan Travis. So you're going to have an experienced quarterback in Florida State up against the experienced quarterback in Jaden Daniels for for LSU. But frankly, Florida State just has a better all-around team. They have a better defense. I think they have a better offense. Again, I think LSU – like I've already mentioned here, is going to fall off, and it wouldn't surprise me if they lost four games this year. So I definitely think Florida State has the advantage. They have the advantage of playing in Florida. And uh, I I expect – now, you know, I just thought about that. What's the – should the hurricane be gone by then? Yeah, they're looking at – the last model I saw, I think, was – maybe Thursday, and as long as it just doesn't decimate uh, Orlando, they should be able to play. I think it's going to help that it's Sunday night, and they'll probably have to travel late, you know, oh, later right. than they wanted that's to. Right. Yep, yep. So you're also going to have travel issues for LSU. <laughs> yeah, true, because Florida State can bust down if necessary. Yeah, but but nonetheless, uh, I, I do think Florida State's a better team all the way around, and I do think they get the win. And honestly, I it would not surprise me if they stretched this thing out late. You know, if this thing got to be a uh, a thirty-one to seventeen type game, thirty-four to twenty, you know, and 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 then win by a couple of scores there late. So, uh, I like Florida State in this one. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm gonna to have to lean LSU. Just and I think I think it's gonna be tied. I think Vegas is all over this one. You said wrong team favored. I, I say LSU. I don't see them covering 
Uh, I don't see it being – if it's 31-17, I will agree with you on this. If it's 31-17, I would say LSU has lost. And we we here at uh, – I'm not targeting, you're targeting, hope LSU loses. I think I can safely say that. Where we're kind of rooting for Florida. Uh, I'm definitely rooting against LSU. I do not want them taking the top spot in the West uh, two years in a row. Granted, this game has no bearing on that, but it has a big bearing on their season because – you know, they're looking at the sky's the limit uh, this year. They've got the best. They're in, they're in Bama's shoes from last year. You know, we had Bryce Young. We had Will Anderson. We had the unquestioned best offensive player and best defensive player in the conference. In our case, it was in the country, uh, but definitely in the conference. And I think they have that with Harold Perkins at linebacker and, uh, and Jaden Daniels. He's preseason uh, all-SEC first-team quarterback. So, it, it so let be, me ask you this, too. Yes. Uh, if Florida State wins this game, if Florida State wins this game, are they going to be a, a favorite in every other game they play this year? I don't know where they get to play. Do they even play Clemson in the regular season? Or, yeah, because they, they're on opposite. Yeah, they, they do. No, right, they so do. they go they, on the road at yeah, Clemson. Or, on the 23rd. Yeah, so they're on the road on that one. That's right. Well, I just so pulled their schedule an underdog up. there. Uh, oh, you know, Florida State plays UNA this year. <laughs> Throw away the records books. And those two <laughs> I'm sure you can. They go to Florida. Yeah, I mean, I see outside of uh, outside of Clemson. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to be favored every game. And I don't know where's the hiccup at. At Pitt, late in the year could be tough because uh, Pittsburgh in early November could be very cold. But then they got Miami at home. They got the vaunted UNA Lions at home. Then they go to Florida. So this is a big game, and that's where I was wanting to go with this. Is so it's five versus eight. It's LSU's five. Florida State is eight. If let's say let's, LSU wins, where do they jump to? I think they definitely jump up above Bama. Well, yeah, I, I mean, by virtue of playing the better game, of course. But we all know the polls don't work that way. I mean, if they work the way they should, they should drop, jump to number one by virtue of having the best win True. in the country. Yeah. Um, so it's just a matter of who who votes for them at any particular time. But it, it, it gives a boost. It gives a bigger boost to Florida State, I, I think is what I was getting at, than it would be to LSU because LSU still has so much oh, yeah. more yeah. on their schedule. Well, I mean, uh, look at, I'm looking at their schedule now. They play two ranked teams. As the polls stand right now, they play LSU and they play Clemson. And, Tom, you know, just like I said, we, we're when we tell people – when I tell people at work that we're really not prepared, I think they think I'm kidding. I'm like, no, bro, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> there's minimal preparation for this podcast. So – Speak for yourself. Yeah, well, like, and, and so I did. I did give you kudos. Some days, some weeks, you knock it out of the park on your uh, on your stats. Now that has not happened yet this year. So you... <laughs> we hadn't but... played any games yet. <laughs> <laughs> but they can, if they win this weekend, they can. It, it is in their best interest to lose at Clemson, run the table. They're in. They're in at 11-1, and I think. I mean, of course, depending – you can't have four undefeated champions. I mean, you can't have Michigan, Alabama, or Georgia, um, USC, and then uh, who, uh, Oklahoma. You know, yeah, four undefeated conference champions are going to get in over a one-loss one loss non-conference champion. 
But 11-1 Florida State, they're sitting there championship weekend. All they probably need is one upset, and, and they're in. So, I mean, sadly, probably need LSU to win this thing to, to maybe put a chink in the ACC armor. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to say. I wish LSU had that kind of uh, team where they could compete with Florida State. They just don't, and that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that they could get in if they lose to Clemson and Clemson wins. Now, if Clemson has two losses and they're out of contention, then maybe. But if Clemson is undefeated or with one loss and they've got the head-to-head matchup and they win the conference, they're not putting two ACC teams in there. I uh, mean, you might be right. We shall see a lot of football to be played, sir. Yeah, but I, I, I think you're I think you're correct in that if if they're hanging out there with that being their only loss and, and a lot of other things happen, then they may get in there. Yeah. But uh, they they would need two losses from Clemson, I think, elsewhere on their schedule so that they could backdoor their way into the championship game and get there. 11-1 FSU that wins the ACC definitely gets in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, so you've got Florida State winning outright. I've got LSU winning right around the number two, two, and, two or three points. I'm going to say it's going to be a close game. So rolling into the bets for this week, uh, as you know, if you have any sense in the world, you will not take any of these games. We I don't think we went 4-0 last year one time, and we normally have a 4-0 weekend. But uh, I'll give you game one. Who do you see coming out on top week one and covering the spread? I like my dark horse. Well, I'll start I'll start with this one. I just like Florida State so much that I I, I, I needed to double up on them. I, I have Florida State as, as my official play. Uh, th- that one should be the easiest game of the weekend. Well, kind of hope you're right. I don't know. After second guessing it with their schedule, I don't know because really going to need Clemson to beat them if they beat uh, LSU. I'm going to go with Utah, the Utes at six and a half. I think they covered that rather easily over an undermanned Florida team who lost their starting quarterback to the NFL. My second game, I'm going to take my dark horse contender that I mentioned last week, uh, Wisconsin, minus 28. It's four touchdowns. It's a big number, but they're, they're playing Buffalo. And Wisconsin has enough defense to, to keep Buffalo under 14 easily. And so I'm, I'm interested to see this new up-tempo type, spread type, whatever they want to call it, offense out of Wisconsin – and if they have anything even remotely resembling an offense, they should have no no worries about covering the 28 in this one. Yeah, my last game, uh, which around out our, our four-game parlay, is Michigan minus 36. They're playing East Carolina. It's the big noon kickoff, if you will. And the reason I'm going to say Michigan, they are ranked two. Uh, they're ahead of Ohio State in both polls. They are they're number two in both polls. Of course, one Ohio State's three and one, Bama's three and the other. But let's be honest: when people hear Ohio State, Michigan, what is who do they think would be the top team? Just gut feel. I mean, people well, are going to lean Ohio. They're going to lean Ohio State, and I think they're going to really try to prove a point that hey, we it wasn't a fluke. We beat we've beat Ohio State two years in a row. We made the playoffs last year. Yes, we got beat by TCU, but we weren't a fluke. We're not a fluke. We're here to stay. 
and I see them trying trying to run up the score. Harbaugh's serving his first of three or first of four games suspension. I don't think it's going to matter. So I've got Michigan 36. So recapping Florida State plus two and a half. If you're really ballsy, you can go money line. Utah minus six and a half. Wisconsin minus 28. Michigan minus 36. Book it and you can be counting your money. You can send your bookie to the poorhouse in week one. That's true. And if you do happen to send him to the poorhouse, we do accept donations here at, at targeting, not targeting. Hey, speaking of you, we're on Twitter. We hadn't thrown it out there this year. We're at targeting not at targeting not. You can use hashtag intight. That is I N T Y T stands for I'm not targeting. You're targeting. If you want to tweet at us, tell us how good we're doing. Tell us how bad we're doing. Tell us how loud the music is on the outro where you can't hear our snubs at Auburn. Just let us know. And um, well, Tom, first uh, first game. Pre-game show is in the books. I'm excited. I know you are, and I'm sure we'll be texting and tweeting out a lot on Saturday. And, man, welcome to the season. Welcome to the season. We have a lot to talk about next week. We'll actually have game action across the board. And I'm looking forward to a lot more games than than just ours and what we rehashed today just from the standpoint of of seeing seeing teams back on the field. Because there will be a surprise this weekend, and we'll – I'm excited to see who it'll be. Ooh, I hope it's not Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> who does Auburn play? <laughs> I hope it's whoever Auburn plays. <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Have you seen Junior's grades? <laughs>